We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Road of His, co-host of the Stealing Bananas podcast as well with Ben Gretsch. And we are getting very, very close to the NFL season, Sean. It is, uh, you know, I think we're going to blink and we're going to be there. It's uh, going so quick. I'm just trying to think of all the drafts we have to fit in over the next couple of weeks and wondering is there going to be enough time to get all those done. But we did draft last week in quite a few leagues we are uh we're up against the listeners they're putting a bit of pressure on us um and it's been a lot of fun and we actually have had uh probably more interest than i was anticipating uh, we may even have to stretch it out to to one more league to, to fill all that interest so if anyone is interested in drafting against me and sean can't guarantee we will do one more league but uh let us know we're we're almost there to fill in another one but sean we drafted in the listener league for the $100,000 best ball tournament over at the FFPC uh, that is actually coming out at the moment some some of the listeners may have already heard it on the road of his overtime podcast feed so hopefully they're enjoying that it was a, a challenging draft Sean but uh, I really really enjoyed it uh, one of the my favorite drafts so far this year um, and I, ho- I hope the listeners enjoyed drafting as well with us but uh, quite challenging uh, with the old wide receivers going off the draft board uh, quite early it was and, and one of the things that we discussed before the draft we had sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek question from someone in the chat which is that what if robust running back wins this draft is is your running back off and we're like no well i mean obviously it wouldn't be off but also it was funny because you and i ended up having to take a draft that was very running back heavy simply because so many of the listeners had hammered those wide receiver picks early we ended up with a team uh that started Darren Waller, Austin Eckler, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and in the fifth round, J.K. Dobbins. So one of the things I, I do talk about from time to time, which is that it can be nice to have a few of these leagues because just because we're using zero running back doesn't mean we don't like running backs. And so if you have some early round running backs you like, sometimes uh, these drafts will provide an opportunity to take them. But the main thing was it was a blast to draft with the listeners. Not surprisingly, the listeners were very, very good. One of the things that we're seeing right now as more training camp news comes out is that you have a lot of difficult decisions to make in those late rounds. Now, 
in our draft where the wide receiver value is really vacuumed up before normal. And we talk about how in this kind of structure of draft, it's really helpful to get your six or your seven wide receivers, depending on what you need, what works better for your overall build to get those by the 13th, 14th round, because those last four rounds are a big challenge. If you've left yourself short at wide receiver, obviously in this draft, a lot of us were having to deal with that. And so we had some tricky discussions and debates late if you find yourself in this situation in other drafts, either because uh, you got caught out at wide receiver or simply your strategy dictated that you were going to have some late wide receiver selections, we have a cool article out by Meng Song. It's his debut article for Rotoviz. We've had a lot of guys debut in the last couple of months. The new writers have been doing a fantastic job. Uh, he gives us a piece on uh, sort of if you want Darnell Mooney's breakout potential even later in your draft these two deep sleepers fit the bill. So a couple of deep sleeper wide receivers. Uh, check that piece out. Sam Wallace, all the listeners know him. He locates three late running back options using one of our favorite predictive metrics. That's another piece for these difficult late round decisions. And then Zachary Kruger, who all the listeners know as one of our best ball gurus, column you and Zach have put together a fantastic strategy series on best ball. He's got a new piece up on the site looking at reverse engineering your late round picks. Now, I mentioned those three pieces because attacking those last four picks and executing properly could be the difference between $100,000 or finishing third or fourth in your league, right? You can do a great job through 14 rounds, but if you don't at least have some exposure to some upside and make the right structural decisions late, then even if you've executed through 13 through 14, you can still not accomplish your ultimate goal, which is to win your league, advance in the tournament. Yeah, and especially, um, you know, I've been doing more and more slim drafts uh, along with these listener leagues over the last two or three weeks. And then the best ball tournament itself is a slim format. And when you're into those, you know, there's only 18 rounds, uh, you start to have a very limited window for error, uh, especially when you're drafting in those late rounds. And there's no doubt that some of those guys were picking in round, you know, 16, 17, 18 uh, may not make that roster in, you know, four or five weeks time. And that can be where the teams can ultimately fall down very, very quickly. So um, making those decisions late um, can be a massive difference. As Sean mentioned, three great pieces. Check them all out up on the site. You mentioned the best ball podcast series that myself and Zach did. We actually wrapped that up on Monday, um, around about 20 episodes in the books for that. And uh, it was a lot of fun to do that series along with Zach. So check out those if you haven't already, if you're looking for some insights into best ball and uh, other ways. I know we're getting a lot of positive feedback, how we cover it in this. We kind of went topic by topic in that series. So check that out. There is a page up on rotoviz.com that I tweet out from time to time that is a directory for that series. Uh, it's also up on the main Rotoviz radio podcast feed. But Sean, we're going to talk through two topics of yours on, on today's show, hopefully, as we run through them. But we're going to look first at some uh, production that you might get at a little bit of a discount and I, I always love these series when we look at the guys going at the top of the draft board in that first round and how we can potentially get them a little bit later at a, a better value but the thing about this one that's interesting is it's attacking the dead zone and uh, we talk about the dead zone a lot on the show um, but there's three Austin Eckler like discount options that could change how you attack that dead zone so Sean who are we looking at here and uh, are we are we able are we able to confidently uh, tread those waters in the dead zone i think that we are right because one of the things that we know and one of the things that we emphasize is that structural drafting and understanding historical tendencies 
doesn't limit you to a very you know tight constipated kind of drafting it frees you up to understand where the probabilities are in your favor but if you need to deviate and select someone who's a fantastic value within an area that maybe otherwise you avoid you know you don't miss on that pick you don't refrain from making a pick that's a great value now for this article i was looking at austin eckler and it was sort of a two-parter we, we talked about part one previously the concerns that i have for eckler being able to kind of hit that very top end number we looked at his profile we looked at his expected points as both a rusher and receiver we talked a little bit about the fact that his 2019 season where he put up this massive 300 point campaign with melvin gordon also there for much of it that there were a couple things going in his favor one was that chargers had a huge number just an absolutely gigantic number in terms of total running back expected points which obviously made for this gigantic pie i don't necessarily expect that to continue the other thing eckler put up a crazy number in fantasy points over expectation and so his efficiency level was really out of this world both of those things are difficult to sustain difficult to come back in 2021 and say okay well he's just going to hit those but that doesn't mean that austin eckler isn't a fantastic player or a good pick at a certain price we just mentioned how when he fell to us in round two of this listener league we grabbed him up right you've got a great player fantastic athlete someone with proven production and a receiving profile that gives him a very high floor if he does get goal line carries you're talking about a guy who could be an absolute league smashing winner for you so we're looking at Eckler. He's not falling to that point very often, obviously. But what are some ways we can get that production for other people? Well, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, one of them, he's someone else that we've already kind of gone through his profile on the show. He's also someone we've been hitting in a lot of these drafts. And so the idea there with him, we obviously hope will pay off. Even if it doesn't, getting some exposure again to that profile is one of the things we want to do as we kind of build our portfolio for this season. The other two guys players that we also know that we like, but I wanted to go through a little bit the thesis for Travis Etienne and DeAndre Swift. Now, the first thing that jumps out about Etienne is the situation where he's playing with James Robinson, who just had a crazy rookie season for the Jaguars. And it seems like a big offense to have him on this team or to have the Jaguars come and draft sort of over him, right? But one of the things that we can then look at is to see how the Jaguars actually want to use these backs. And we see that ETN is going to come in and really try and play this Alvin Kamara role. And unlike all of the other names that we tend to hear as, okay, well, this is this year's Alvin Kamara. And this is this year's Alvin Kamara. And, you know, we've talked about guys like that before ourselves. It's not like we're saying we don't do that. We always want to find that guy. But unlike the sort of sleeper versions of that, Travis ETN is the superstar version, right? I mean, he's the guy who was drafted had the best score this year in the running back prospect lab, a storied career at Clemson comes in and actually looks like he has the ability to do these things and do these things right away. Now, Alvin Kamara averaged 19.8 points per game as a rookie at the same time that Mark Ingram averaged 17.8. So the very first thing that you notice there is that probably again, that pie is a lot bigger than what we're looking at with the Jaguars. But then you break it down a little bit and you look what Alvin Kamara did. Only 4.6 rushing expected points per game. Again, that's very much in the Eckler-ish kind of range. 
even a little bit below, obviously, what we expect from Eckler this season. And then 8.9 in the receiving expected points column. Now, the thing that happened with Alvin Kamara, which is such a long shot to happen with anybody, is that he averaged three fantasy points over expectation as a rusher and then three more as a receiver. So he was like 6.4 fantasy points over expectation every single game. Kamara has two of the best three seasons in the last decade in terms of this. You're unlikely to hit that level of efficiency just in general. You're unlikely to hit it because Kamara is this fantastic talent. And you're unlikely to hit it because the Saints offense provides a lot of opportunities for him to do things like <laughs> the mega touchdown game he had at the last, end of last season. But Colm, I have a lot of confidence that the Jaguars are going to do similar types of things with Travis Etienne. And when you're being drafted in the fifth round, you don't have to score 19.8 points per game in order to be a value. We take that down, put him at five rushing EP, eight receiving EP, give him a little bit of fantasy points over expectation. You're now in a scenario where I mean, you could realistically give him you know, 14 to 17 points per game and still have points left for James Robinson. If he were able to score anywhere in that vicinity, he would be a great value in round five. Yeah, and I think uh, like I felt bad for James Robinson. You know, I I went kind of in on him in the early off season, and my fear was always that he could get uh, you know somebody to come in and, and draft drafted. I, I wasn't expecting it then to be somebody in the first round, but uh, Etienne coming in obviously is a knock to his value, but he showed in his own right how how good of a player he is last year. But I think we're dealing with a really special talent in Etienne. But I think the two of them can work very very well together when we look at backfields around the nfl it's rarely just one person that's you know getting all the work it's not always going to be a situation like christian mccaffrey has um even dalvin cook you know getting his workload but i think we'll see these two guys be able to split and i think we'll both be able to see them be efficient and that's probably good for them as the season progresses too because we always talk about the likelihood of running backs getting injured hopefully um kind of splitting that workload is going to help them so i i see this as a clear uh, two running back backfield whereas a lot of running back or backfields in the nfl at the moment are you know three or four um in some cases like the houston texans backfield there might be six or seven running backs in there but um i i think that etn's in a really good spot uh, i think that the offense too is ready to take a, a big step forward we like a lot of players in this i know chark had a little bit of a, a down year last year from what we were hoping to have um after second season but then you have chanelt who are expecting big things from trevor lawrence is coming in then we add etn we still have james robinson so I think there's a lot of uh, positive pieces in this offense, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see how they do. But getting them in that fifth round, um, I think, provides a huge amount of value. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think we can draft him with confidence. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. There is a few running backs and the guys obviously you've had on here fit that profile and they are guys going in the dead zone that I think are worth taking that risk on uh, this season. There's always going to be guys in there that we're wrong on, but I think uh, Etienne is one of them. The other one, Sean, that you've mentioned in here is DeAndre Swift. Obviously somebody who has come in with a high value as well into the NFL. Um, the, the Lions don't have a huge amount. I'd say to Hawkinson at the moment that we're excited about, but why should the listeners be excited about DeAndre Swift as well? Right. So one of the reasons why we know that ETN has a shot at doing what we're hoping is that DeAndre Swift basically did it last year, right? He averaged 14.9 points per game. He had six rushing expected points, 6.6 receiving expected points, 1.6 over expectation as a rusher, 0.6 over expectation as a receiver, he started a little bit slower than what I expect from ETN. One of the reasons why the Lions weren't good, one of the reasons why their people got fired, and they were pretty slow on the uptake with a potential superstar here. But following the week five bye, Swift jumped the numbers as a rusher. His points per game jumped to 16.9, right? So you're right at the 17 points per game level. Again, a number that will definitely pay off for you where he's going. If he hadn't missed weeks 11 through 13, then I think he'd be going around higher in drafts. Now we know that the big things that are holding him back are not necessarily his rookie scoring because in many cases he was drafted at least this early last season, right? Going in and not having proven himself to be this dynamic talent that we now can convincingly say that he is. Now, of course, going into last season, there were a lot of hopes. Many people had him as the number one back in this class. And it's a good class in terms of the talent of guys like Akers, who was unfortunately hurt, Dobbins, who was electric, Jonathan Taylor, who looks like he's going to be a superstar, and then Edwards Alaire, who's hoping for the bounce back. But we look at what the Lions are doing here, and we have a, a clear blueprint for how ETN could do it, but also how Swift could take 
the next step, right? So the concerns in Detroit are the quality of the offense and that Jamal Williams will take enough of the touches to be a little bit of an anchor on him. I think this is going to work out very similarly to the way that it worked out for Aaron Jones in Green Bay, where yes, Jamal Williams plays and plays well. And that's actually a help because you don't want your backup running back to be inefficient to the point where it sabotages drives. You want the drives to keep going. You want to get down there in the red zone. And just naturally, you don't want to be so overused in the first month of the season that you're essentially done. You get hurt, your performance drops, that kind of thing. But one of the reasons why I love Swift is that he has this receiving profile. And if the Lions are bad, you're looking at a lot of potential garbage production in the fourth quarter. But I think that his receiving value in terms of the the points you're going to get as a fantasy player for that has a very high floor and a very, very high ceiling. We look at the backs who have done this in the past. So Swift had 70 expected points as a rusher, 70 expected points as a receiver, and he was positive in terms of FPOE as both a rusher and a receiver. We know from Blair's work that especially people who are efficient uh, in the receiving game, that this receiving expected points and receiving points over expectation, both of those categories tend to be underdrafted the following year. Swift still relatively expensive, but I think underdrafted compared to some of those other backs. We look at the guys who have done that. Only 10 rookie running backs have done that this century. It's a group that includes people like Kamara, like Barkley, like Kareem Hunt, Maurice Jones-Drew. But for me, and if you just look at the numbers here, the closest comp was David Johnson, who was limited playing behind or with Chris Johnson as a rookie, explodes in year two. That 2016 season from David Johnson we also look back on with this glow, this shine. It was one of the greatest seasons ever. I'm not suggesting that Swift is going to necessarily do that, but we have to understand the scenarios, this extreme upside opportunity that Swift has. And I think he can do it even if he's got some competition in the backfield. The other thing is just that there's a very high floor because of his talent level. So Colin, in the current listener league that we're doing, the third of the three slow drafts, We had the 11th pick. We started out Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, a little bit of a unique uh, start there. We went ahead and took Lamb ahead of Hopkins and Metcalf just to diversify a little. Uh, Lamb has gotten so expensive that we haven't had a chance to get him very often. Coming back through in round three, selected Chris Godwin, and then Nick Chubb was the 312. He's really the back who drops the most in these listener league drafts, and I think justifiably so, which isn't a, a knock on him as a talent. Nick Chubb may be the best pure runner in football. Cooper Cup is the other pick there at the turn, and then we come back with DeAndre Swift. So we take him at the 402. We like that value there. You know, the preference would probably be to take another receiver, but the receiver value has fallen off. In a lot of drafts, obviously, participants are going to take Swift in round three and then Godwin in round four. So it's not necessarily a value in terms of the duo. But how do you like Swift within the context of that start? I think it works really well for the start based on how the draft board was going. Um, for anyone that's listening into that draft or the other drafts that we're doing live um, with the listeners, you'll see that they're putting a little bit of pressure on with those early wide receiver picks. So it feels like we might be getting uh, some revenge in, the, in this particular one by putting the pressure on some of the guys at the start and uh, end of the draft. But I, th- I think Swift's very interesting. You mentioned uh, the comparisons between him and David Johnson. If if we get anything like that, uh, if we can even get 75% of that, it'll be a fantastic season. You mentioned as well, that was kind of what I was hunting at with James Robinson and ETN, is having a good second running back on the team is not going to 
be a detriment to somebody who is a an elite talent the likes of Aaron Jones last year and I think it's the same for Swift and I think both of those guys can have value this year I think uh, Williams can have value I think James Robinson can have value um but I, I think it's they're intriguing I don't know why I just when I'm having when I am drafting my target is ETN uh, even though he is going a little bit later but um I think both of them are set up really well for this season Sean we're going to move into uh, a couple of questions that come in well, well one listener question we're going to have a, a bonus episode towards the end of the week as well with some listener questions kind of like a mailbag episode we're having four shows this week but um that will also go in with those draft ones but question come in sean that it's been posed a few times to me um through twitter so i thought we'd bring it on the the show comes in from our at rp1714 um and it was a question rega- regarding were we getting concerned uh, about and I guess we can put this in as well to the the Jaguars um, around this time last week. Obviously, the reports were coming out of Joe Burrow. There was reports coming out as well of Trevor Lawrence and how they were playing. Uh, this one was specifically about the Bengals' offense so far because of uh, how high we've been on those. But the question was around you know the likes of Burrow, Higgins, Chase, and Boyd, and there's still reports coming out that maybe Chase's camp isn't going as well as as people might have hoped how concerned would you be taking those reports and uh, by all accounts borrow seems to be stepping in the right direction over the last couple of days right and i think that that's a big encouragement what, what i've been saying to people is i still think that this is going to work out fine i think that if there's any kind of silver lining to it even it's that now you can get burrow a little bit less expensively i think he becomes a no-brainer at these new prices still really like higgins really like boyd uh, chase maybe not as clear a number one pick within that group of wide receivers. Now you referenced the reports from the last couple of days. I think even if the reports were bad, I mean, that might even work in our favor a little bit more because we start to get better prices. Again, the prices on these Bengals were getting uh, not really out of control. I mean, I have Higgins in my redraft rankings in the second round, which is even still much higher than he is, but out of control in terms of what we'd like to pay. Right. And so if the reports were bad, then maybe you continue to get those good prices on the flip side, the reports actually have been very positive in the last couple of days. So if we're looking at the last 48, 72 hours, uh, Burrow, a couple of good practices, one in which he lit up the defense. Also reports from him saying that this is mental and not physical. Now, mental can be a huge problem as well, right? It's not like you're saying, oh, well, you just got mental <laughs> issues. No big deal. But but we do want to know that he's not hurt or and or that if he's not 100%, that it's not something where he's a long way away because one of the things that you do also hear out of camp is he's working hard. He's staying after the receivers. He's trying to push through, you know, Tyler Boyd has said that, you know, he thinks that it's just mental and that Burrow would get through it. I have confidence that he is going to be able to get himself to where he needs to be. And it's even one of those things where I could see that they might start a little bit slower. You also have uh, those same concerns that the offensive line is not going to be great, but I think that when you talk, start talking about week five, week six, week seven, and certainly the fantasy playoffs, I think the Bengals are going to be scoring a ton of points. And so maybe if you're in a best ball format where you need those points right from the beginning based on prices you're paying, maybe you move those guys down a little bit. In a managed format, just keep vacuuming up those Bengals. They're going to be very valuable this season. 
Yeah, no, I would agree. And I tend to like when we're now with social media, you know, maybe even if we only go back like five years ago, the, the news wouldn't have been coming out at the the speed it is. Like there'll be there'll be a report saying that, you know, it could just be let's just say T. Higgins. T. Higgins is having an issue with drops. That could be that he dropped two passes and and in, in the opening, you know, a couple of attempts in, in the training camp and then all of a sudden like 15 minutes later you're seeing him doing one-handed catches or whatever way you want to look at it so the news is coming at such a speed that it's sometimes hard to even digest it and obviously then people are drafting and they're that's like letting these guys fall down the board to you if that's happening i would bet on the talent of these guys that it's, it's going to work out like sean mentioned and uh you know if you're looking at a second year quarterback coming off a knee injury obviously that is a concern but as you mentioned sean it would be a little bit of a surprise if there wasn't some you know trepidation there for him uh, my concern would be more still still the offensive line than, and than these players not working out so uh similar as well for most of these reports take them with a little bit of a grain of salt if it's a, a great report let's not get over blowing on it um and I, I tend to do that do you do that sean like if it's a player you like like let's say like chanel makes a great catch and it looks great like it's obviously a good thing but it's not really going to affect uh what he does in week one i don't think Right. I mean, you're the problem that we that we have in both directions is that you have a lot of confirmation bias when you see things that fit with what you already believed. And so you really want to watch having a guy like a Rondell Moore or a LaVisca Chenault just continue to rise up your board and rise up your board, you know, Elijah Moore. And then in a couple of weeks, you look at it and you're like, I understand that projections don't answer all of the questions. You need to understand the different scenarios the high scenario, you know, median, low, uh, injury-related scenarios, and bet on the talent. At, yet, at a certain point, you'll look where you draft some of these people and, and start to think to yourself, it, it just it's not realistic that they can return value at that point. You've got to be more conservative. And so one of the things that I'm always trying to do is to make sure that we have multiple targets in these different rounds, to have players with the profiles that we want to have structure throughout the draft that gives us some flexibility and really continue to try and target those guys when they fall from, you know, whatever the ADP is that week. And so we've got an interesting question about how do we use the rankings within a draft context rankings to ADP. We'll discuss that uh, in one of the later shows this week. I think that's a very good question in terms of how do we execute our rankings within drafts to make sure we get value yeah and we t- we touched on higgins um i i was getting into the the trade market a little bit in my dynasty leagues over the the last uh, week or so i did uh, make a move for t higgins i don't know if the owner accepting it was anyway uh, to do with concerns about joe borrow but interested to get your thoughts sean on it um it was one where t higgins was the, the guy acquired uh, listeners to this show will not be surprised that uh, we're fans of t higgins um but I try to do a two-to-one offer, and one of them is a player that I think the value is probably decent on based on current perception of how valuable running backs are. I think still people moving into dynasty leagues versus redraft players um, probably still overvalue that running back position. But uh, the other player in the move was an, a veteran wide receiver we've talked about a little bit here. It was Tyler Lockett. Um, the running back I mentioned was David Montgomery. So I think two players who stand alone are, are pretty decent, but... Um, I think um, I would much rather have the, the T Higgins side. Obviously, that's why I did the trade. But what's your thoughts on, on the trade overall? Well, we get a lot of emails and messages from listeners who want us to be 
like harder on people and harder on them specifically when they answer a question, ask a question, say, you know, don't go easy on me. Uh, Colin, how concerned are you that for the short term, you gave up two players with a redraft ADP that's in the same range as the one player that you got back? Yeah, that's a really fair question. Uh, and the short answer is I'm not overly concerned at all. This is a team where I've actually, I would say it's my favorite dynasty roster at the moment based on the the depth at both uh, wide receiver and at running back. And a problem with a lot of my uh, running back uh, cores is that they're not very deep. And when I'm talking about deep, I'm most people probably would uh, throw up when they see the, the running back room that I have. But uh, I think uh, it's still pretty solid. But this is a roster now that um, has like the likes of Calvin Ridley, um, LaVisca Chenault's in there, Jerry Judy's in there, DJ Moore's in there, now T Higgins is in there. So Lockett wasn't somebody who I was hugely reluctant on. And, you know, obviously he's becoming a little bit older. I thought it might be a last chance to to get that value. So it was moving to assets that I thought could depreciate pretty quickly, something that we talk about on the, the show to, to get that young asset who I think is just going to continue to rise in value. I agree. And I think that you know, in a vacuum, sometimes it can be tricky to look at those players departing and think, you know, okay, the immediate production, I'm going to lose out a little bit. But in terms of the structure of your dynasty roster, I do think that getting T Higgins is a big win. Yeah. And there is all the rosters, to be honest, where I'm looking at it and the depth isn't great. And maybe you can see the reasons why you would be uh, making that move as well. So um, in the opposite direction, but I think when it's a player like T Higgins, I think you you take the op- opportunity there. That's going to bring us to the end of today's show, but uh, thank you for listening in. Thank you for listening all the way through. And if you are interested in signing up for a Rotoviz NFL pass uh, on rotoviz.com, you can get a 10% discount for being a loyal listener to the podcast. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. The, uh, the, the road of a subscription is uh, one of the hottest tickets in town at the moment. Uh, I think if you get yourself signed up, it's going to definitely be of a benefit throughout this coming season. Some amazing content like Sean mentioned at the start of the show. And then, of course, we have all the tools as well um, to get you through the season. But that is going to take us to the end of today's one. And uh, my name, as always, is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can check out all his great work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.